Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. You'll be so David received from her hand what she had brought him and said to her, Go up in peace to your house. See, I have heeded your voice and respected your person. Okay, Abigail's intercession between David and Nabal, it worked. It worked. David received her sacrifice. He received what she had to give, and it satisfied his wrath. Very important to keep this in mind. David knew that he had been held back. That's one thing. He says, I've been held back. (laughs) I have been holding back. Let me tell you, I've been holding it. But thank you for coming, because now that I've been held back, it has now saved everyone from being destroyed. 1 Samuel 25 and 36. Now Abigail went to Nabal, and there he was, holding a feast in his house, like the feast of a king. And Nabal's heart was merry within him, for he was drunk. Therefore she told him nothing, little or much, until morning light. So it was in the morning, when the wine had gone from Nabal, and his wife had told him these things, that his heart died within him, and he became like a stone. Then it happened, after about ten days that the Lord struck Nabal, and he died. Okay, I want to make sure everybody sees this bit of scripture right here. It says that God killed Nabal. I hope you see this, because it literally says, the Lord struck Nabal, and he died. Most people do not believe that God does this sort of thing. The Lord executes judgment against the unrepentant, the hard-boiled, unrepentant. I'm not going to turn. Everything is mine. I don't need to help nobody. I don't care if I benefit off them. It belongs to me. God hates that. God hates that. And he killed him. God doesn't hate God. Yes, he does. God does hate. God hates wickedness. God loves things that are righteous. As a Christian, we have to hate what God hates and love what God loves. He does. It is a righteous hate, though. It's not like man's hate. It is a godly hate, but he does hate that, and he killed him. God killed Nabal. just want to make sure you see that. So whenever Nabal found out how narrow of an escape he had just made, he it's morning light. She didn't tell him anything. David said, by morning light, I'm going to kill all of them. I'm going to take them all out. Nabal realized, I should be dead by now, and it shocked him so bad that apparently he had some kind of a heart attack, and, and he was paralyzed, whatever. Now, before any of you pass wrongful judgment on God, I want you to see something here. Take notice of how many days that the Lord gave Nabal Nabal to repent. How many days did Nabal have when the reality set in? How much time did God give him to repent of his sin? He gave him 10 whole days, week and a half almost. He gave him 10 whole days to repent of his sin and make up for what he had done. For 10 days, 
Nabal had no repentance, no I'm sorry, no effort was made to try to do anything right, to fix anything, no thank you, Abigail, for what you did sticking your neck out for me. He would not remove the insult that he sent to David. He could have said, you know what, I retract my insult, I apologize, and I'm sorry, send whatever he needs with honor. None of that. Nothing. The only time we ever saw Nabal happy was when he was drunk, when the alcohol was going, when he was a drunkard. That's the only time, is when he was partying down. Nabal was only happy when he partied, partied, partied in his sin. That's the attitude of a lot of people these days, is let's party. Let's get down. Life is good. Let's celebrate. But when the harsh reality of sin finally arrived on this harsh man, the party was over. And there was not a thing that all his money, all his wealth, all his riches, and all his servants, nothing that they could do to save him. Time's up. 1 Samuel 25 and 39. So when David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Blessed be the Lord who has pleaded the cause of my reproach from the hand of Nabal and has kept his servant from evil. For the Lord has returned the wickedness of Nabal on his own head. And David sent and proposed to Abigail to take her as his wife. When the servants of David had come to Abigail at Carmel, they spoke to her, saying, David sent us to you to ask you to become his wife. Then she arose, bowed her face to the earth, and said, Here is your maidservant, a servant to wash the feet of the servants of my Lord. So Abigail arose in haste and rode on a donkey, attended by five of her maidens, and she followed the messengers of David and became his wife. David also took Ahinoam of Jezreel, and so both of them were his wives, But Saul had given Michael, his daughter, David's wife, to Palti, the son of Laish, who was from Galim. Now, I know it seems wrong uh, because it just kind of struck me a a couple things here. It seems wrong for, for anybody to say, blessed be the Lord when someone died. But Nabal was wicked. He was a problem. David needed to get to the throne, and Nabal was being a hindrance to that. You got to figure, David is pretty fed up with all the hindrances. Everybody's out to get him. So he said that this was an answer to prayer. That's why he thanked the Lord, because he had actually prayed earlier. He said, the Lord plead the cause of his reproach from the hand of Nabal. And so God took the insult away. God removed the insult. And so Abigail's beauty and her character, she wasn't just all looks, okay? She had the right morality about her as well. And so David took her as his wife. He's like, hey, this is, this is a nice gal right here. That's my kind of woman. <laughs> so he took her as a wife. Now, of course, the Bible reminds us here that Michael, his wife originally, had been given away by Saul when he had chased David out. And that's a major point that's easy to overlook here is that David, the guy who chopped Goliath's head off, he could have easily done worse to Saul when he gave his wife away, but he didn't. He could have killed him. He could have, all he did was cut the hem of his robe off and he had opportunities. It's like, you gave my wife away to somebody else and he still didn't kill him. How many of you out there, how many of you guys out there, if you had your wife pushed off onto somebody else that was against your will, wouldn't have just torn that guy to pieces? Hey, 
that's a tough one, but that's the story. That's what David did. We can see how David, his patience here. And so it's David's way of having reverence to the Lord, something that Nabal refused to do. David had reverence to the Lord by not killing a king. Nabal insulted a king. David would not dare insult Saul. The point I'm trying to make, David would never insult Saul. But Nabal insulted David, knowing who he is, couldn't care less. This is a very wicked, wicked man. So let's unpack this chapter and see what is all in it for us. Harsh, wicked Nabal. Not only did he insult David, but through that also insulted the Lord. But he also should have had the same attitude about David as David had about Saul. David would not touch the Lord's anointed. Nabal should have been respectful to David. But Nabal could only see through the lens of riches. Remember, I showed you them gospel goggles. You got to look at things through gospel goggles, through the, the righteousness of God. A lot of people, and I'd say most people, they only see things through money. Money, money, money. Mine, mine, mine. That was Nabal. He saw through money, riches, wealth, and living the high life because it was all about him. It's never about anybody else, only about me. And if you remember, he said, why should I give my meat, my water, and my bread? He thinks it's all his. Friends, today, things really haven't changed much, have they? Everybody thinks that what they have is theirs. It's not yours. It's the Lord's. 1 Timothy 6 and 10. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Now, friends, I want you to understand this verse does not say that money is the root of all kinds of evil. It says the love of money. I have met millionaires who have invested in the Bible colleges that I have been to. They take what the Lord has given them and they honor God with it. They recognize the protection God has given them. And so they give tribute unto the Lord in various ways with their wealth by putting it into kingdom work. They sow it into the kingdom. Money is not wrong. Money is not evil. The love of it is. If you have a mentality about yourself, if your attitude in life is that every problem I have needs to be fixed by money, then you're worshiping money. And Jesus said, you cannot worship both. You pick one or the other. It's either him or money. You cannot worship both. Doesn't say you can't have both. You cannot worship both. If you never have enough money, if you've got plenty of money, everything's okay, and you still got to have more, got to have more, you're pushing. Money is your God, and your God is not the Lord. You need to get right with the Lord on that, because we see that Nabal's love of money certainly pierced him with sorrow. As the scripture says, people stray from the faith. Money will make you stray from the faith. Oh, no, I'm not straying from the faith. Wait a minute. God's word says it does. You will stray from the faith, and you will pierce yourself with many sorrows. So Nabal's love of money certainly pierced him with great sorrows. But Abigail realized that real fast that Nabal's insult filled David with wrath. And friends, our sin has insulted God's righteousness. We have insulted him greatly, and it's provoked him to be very, very angry. Look at this in Colossians 3, 6. It says, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. That means that in our disobedience, not obeying God, sinning, that has caused God to be very angry. That's literally there. And so Abigail immediately jumped into action between David and Nabal to resolve the conflict between them. 
I want you to see 1 Timothy 2.5. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Okay, while trying to save Nabal, remember what Abigail said in verse 24, when she bowed down low and said, On me let this iniquity be. Isaiah 53 and 6 says, And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Friends, what Abigail did, she jumped in the middle. David's anger was appeased. He backed down, and he was, he was appeased from that. David said in verse 34, actually, he said, Unless you had hurried and come to meet me, surely by morning light, no males would have been left to Nabal. And so I will say also that unless Jesus had come to us and got between us and God, we would all be gone too, every one of us. John eleven twenty six says, Whoever lives and believes in me, shall never die. After David's wrath subsided, he said to Abigail in verse 35, he said, go up in peace to your house. John 14, 27, Jesus said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Now, what really gets me is why Abigail would step in to save a moron. (laughs) Let's be real. Why would she step in to save a moron? someone who was foolish. In verse 25, she said, please let not my Lord regard this scoundrel Nabal, because for as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name, and folly is with him. Why would she step in to save a a fool, a moron? Because of this, Luke 23 and 34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Friends, in our sin, we were the fool. We were the moron. We were the ones that did not know what we were doing. And so we are the sinful fools. We are the Nabal in this story. That's who we are, Nabal. And Abigail and Jesus both had very similar things to say. Abigail said, and Jesus said, I know they're foolish, but on me let this iniquity be. I know they're they're not getting it. They it, they're, it, they don't understand. But let their iniquity be on me. And so Abigail, she can be seen in this story as a illustration of Jesus, of what Jesus did for us. She was the mediator who came to save fools from the consequences of their own wickedness. And David is an image of God's wrath against sin, because when we sinned, we insulted the Lord God. It made him very angry, and he was going to come down and and take us out. But he held his wrath back. Like David knew he was held back, God held his wrath back and sent Jesus in to get in between us to resolve the conflict. Now, let me switch to Nabal again real quick. As we read the story, we realize Nabal should have had tribute. That's, That's the way it is. He should have understood that I gained a lot from him. He should have paid tribute. He should have had honor for the protection that David gave to him. And that's what made Nabal's profit so high. That's why Nabal was even richer than he was the day before is because of what David did. Today in our culture, and I'm not just talking about America. I'm talking about all over the world. I've seen it. I've been around. People all over the world, they just want more stuff. Just give me more stuff. God serves me. My money, my wealth. They want all this stuff, and they want to keep it for themselves. But rather than honor God with what they have 
And instead of sowing it into the kingdom of God, their wicked attitude says what Nabal said, why should I give my money, my wealth, my stuff to you? Who are you? When they look at people who serve in the kingdom of God, pastors, I'm going to say that because I am one. The Bible tells you, it, re- it requires you to share in all good things with those who teach you the word. That means you support your pastors, you give into the church. But it goes beyond that. It goes into your attitude, like the attitude that, that Abigail had. And there's a lot of people, they just look at these people in kingdom work and they go, who are you? Who are you? You're nothing. You're probably just some crazy pastor. All you pastors, all you want is our money. You just want our money all the time. So you can drive a fancy car. Hey, I'm a pastor. I don't have a fancy car. My my truck is over 20 years old, and I have to fix it all the time. There's things breaking down on it often. <laughs> I don't live in a big house. I don't. I, I don't have lots of money. People like this, they have a way of insulting the goodness of the Lord while justifying to themselves in the process, just like Nabal did. Because why? Because they want to live it up. They want to party. Let's get down and live life. Life is good. This is my life. I'll live it how I want to do it. They want to party hard like Nabal did. But once they realize how much trouble that their sin has gotten them into, they're going to do one of two things. They will either fearfully repent and get right with God, or they're going to be as an impenitent, as hard-boiled, I'm not bending, as Nabal was, until God's wrath takes them out. Romans 2 and 5 says, But in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, you are storing up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Friends, when you look at God and his kingdom work and say, no, this is my money, I'm I'm keeping it for me, or I'm not helping, or I'm not serving, I'm not giving, you're probably just some kind of a, and you make up a story about God's people like Nabal did to justify why you don't have to give to them, then what you're doing is you're storing up wrath for yourself. It's going to come back on you. This is for your benefit. You sow into the kingdom, it's not just for the benefit of the kingdom, it's for yours. Because if you have the attitude like Nabal did, well, look what happened to Nabal. It says the Lord struck him, and he died. He gave him time, 10 days. you got to think for a minute. How long has the Lord given you? How long have you defied the kingdom of God and had that, I need more money, need more money, but everything I have is mine, mine, mine? How long has the Lord waited for you to come around? Maybe he's going to get through to you in this message today. I hope so. But on that day, the party's going to be over. When God says, all right, you're done. You're not going to turn. Party's over. But for those who are givers, the Lord will give back more to them than they ever had. Abigail gave to David. And as a result, I mean, she ran forward with that offering. She gave to David. And as a result, she ended up becoming the wife of the king of Israel. She ended up becoming rich through David. And later in 2 Samuel 3, she also bore David a son. So she went to David with what she had and gave it willingly and humbly. She got down and bowed and said, let the iniquity be on me. She did everything she could to do right with what she had. And now look what she's got. She's the wife of a king of all Israel. Proverbs eleven twenty five says, the generous soul will be made rich and he who waters 
will also be watered himself. Friends, do you want to be watered? Do you want to be made rich? Then you got to be a giver, okay? You have to have a generous soul. This mine, 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 my meat, my money, my water, my, my car, my boat belongs to me, and you're not going to do anything for the kingdom of God except just want more money and more stuff. You're not going to be in this passage right here. If you want to be watered, you need to be generous. If you want to prosper, be a giver, selfishly keeping for yourself instead of honoring God with what you have. All you're doing is storing up wrath for yourself. Guys, I'm giving you some really, really good investment advice here, and I'm not a broker. I'm a gospel broker, okay? So be a giver because Jesus gave to you. Hebrews 7.25, therefore he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Like Abigail did for Nabal, she went and interceded, she made intercession. This says that Jesus Christ, he always lives to make intercession. He's always in, in making intercession for you. Jesus is your protection. He's the protection. And because of Jesus' protection, you are able to thrive and prosper. Therefore, protection should generate tribute. Protection generates tribute. We should realize what the Lord has given us and the generosity of the Lord and the protection he has offered us. And that should cause us to, to give tribute to the Lord. Honor the Lord. Honor the Lord with what he has given you. So I just want you to follow me in prayer. And if you if this has driven to you to a point of repentance, please hear me. This could be your last warning, and I don't want it to be. I want you to have a lot more opportunity. But Nabal, his time ran out on him quick, and he didn't know it was coming. You don't know when yours is coming either, when time runs out. Please listen to me. Pray with me. If this has you scared, uh-oh, I'm not right with the Lord. I need to get right. Then listen carefully. Pray with me. Pray in agreement, okay? Father, I have sinned. I have done you wrong. I have insulted your righteousness. I have insulted you by disobeying. And I know now that your wrath is provoked for that, and it's coming. And I'm sorry, I didn't realize that it was my stubbornness, my selfishness, my have-it-my-way attitude is what caused all this. And I'm sorry. I ask you to forgive me. I didn't know what I was doing. I was being the fool. I turned my life around. I now call you Lord. That means everything I have and everything I will ever get belongs to you. Everything I lose, I never really lost because it was yours in the first place. Lord, give me a generous heart and save me. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for getting in between me and the wrath of God so that I could be saved. I give you my life in thankfulness for the protection that you have given me. I now give you tribute. I now give you honor because you have done the work that is necessary to more than earn it. Thank you, Lord God. I could never pay you back enough. Thank you. Save me and thank you for eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just gave your life to Christ, I would like you to write to me and send me a message. I'd like to hear from you. I'd like to talk to you. I want to know how you're doing. Give your life to Christ. You have no idea what kind of party is coming. It's the party that will never be over. It is eternal. You are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time unless Jesus returns for us first. 
Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.